Welcome to episode 37, a very special episode 37 of the Lace Em Up podcast. I'm Steve Ellsworth. I'm Brett Duboff. And uh, it's so special because we have got our two featured guests, the first two featured guests ever in uh, the Lace Em Up podcast history joining us today. That would be uh, Chris Mazza and Matt Anderson of BTI Sports. We will let them introduce themselves shortly. Um, and we've got a lot to talk about, probably the most... Uh, we've ever talked about yeah. we've had ever and um, so NHL big just happened so big in fact that we'll have a two-parter so oh yeah yeah <laughs> two, a two-parter in in each are gonna and both are gonna be extra long yeah, yeah. <laughs> hopefully exactly. not too long for your listening enjoyment yeah, yeah, yeah. but regardless for good reason like i said the nhl draft just happened a lot of minor trades a lot of big trades that could happen and of course the eve of free agent frenzy, which happens on Canada Day, uh, which happens this Friday. So a lot to, to talk about. So we'll get to a lot with Chris Mazza and Matt Anderson of BTI Sports. Uh, quickly, though, shout-outs to all the NHLers past and present who have worn number 37. Olaf Kolzig, probably the most notable. Uh, Trevor Kidd as well, and those gorgeous uh, checkered pads of his. Mika Kippersov and... And Jose Theodore, two of the goalies that you probably never knew wore number 37, but did, although for a brief time. Uh, Mika did so uh, with the San Jose Sharks, uh, Jose Theodore, in uh, a 96, I believe, with the Montreal Canadiens. Uh, Thomas Bocoon, also uh, in Montreal, uh, wore number 37 for a bit. Apparently he played with Montreal, which I also mm. didn't know. Uh, Patrice Bergeron, Eric Desjardins, Chris Drury, Ryan O'Reilly, uh, some of the notable NHLers you probably heard, Michael Pekka as well, uh, Rick Peverly, Dan Snyder, Yarko Rutu, Martin Ruchinski, Rick Rippon, uh, some of the other notable names, uh, the late, uh, late Rick Rippon, uh, Fists of Fury, that guy had and uh, taken from us far too soon. Uh, so to all of them and to all those past and present who have worn number 37 in the NHL, this podcast is for you. It's time to lace them up. Here's Brett and Steve. All right, uh, we'll do the uh, social media part now. Uh, so Facebook is Lace Em Up Podcast. Twitter is just Lace Em Up, uh, uh, Lace Em Podcast. Uh, you're probably listening to this on SoundCloud. Uh, f- give us a follow. Um, also, uh, um. Yeah, iTunes also subscribe. ITunes. Yeah, also iTunes, subscribe yeah. to iTunes, um, and and then um, I guess they'll introduce themselves when they get on. But um, btihockey.com, check out that site too, um, where you'll get uh, more of uh, their opinions, Matt and Chris's opinions there. Um, yeah, so uh, I guess we'll get started very shortly. Go. We're good? Yeah, yeah, we're good now. Perfect. Um, all right. Hi, I'm Chris Mazza. Um, Going into a fourth year at Brock University in sport management. Um, avid hockey fan, sports fan, um, and especially the draft. So wrapping up this weekend was a very exciting weekend for me. I'm a diehard New Jersey Devils fan. Um, I, I like what we did this uh, this weekend, so we'll get into that more, I'm sure. Yeah, um, we will. Matt can take it away. All right. Um, I'm Matt Anderson. Um 
I'm a third year sport management student at Brock University, so a year below Chris. Um, I'm, uh, I'm a diehard Toronto Maple Leafs fan. Um, and just like Chris, um, the draft is my day. Like, you know, the draft is on the same level as Christmas for me. It's, you know, it's a lot of fun. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm not sure how I thought of the Leafs draft really, but, um, you know, I thought a lot of other teams had quality days and, uh, I'm looking forward to getting that started talking about on and, um, just a little shout out to our site here. Um, if you do want to check us out in the future, uh, we're at www.btihockey.wordpress.com. So, uh, we'd love to see people checking us out and leaving comments and whatever. Yeah. Uh, we're glad to have you guys. Uh, I think we can just get started. We have a couple of questions. For, uh, I guess we can introduce ourselves. I'm Brett. Um, Steve is on the call too. Um, and I guess we can just get started first. We do have questions. Um, and uh, I guess, but like, you know, it's more of a conversation, as I said in the email. But um, who? So who do you guys think won the draft? I guess there's a number of teams that won the draft. I don't know. Yeah. Um, particularly. Yes, it depends on who you ask. Yeah, I guess it does depend on who you ask. But like, um, who do you think made the smartest choices on where they went? I uh, I guess I'll I'll start with this one. I know yeah. um, I know Matt and I will have the exact same uh, opinion on on this one. Uh, I strongly believe that that. The biggest winner this weekend, um, the weekend in total was Arizona. Um, yeah, that's think, a good pick. There were there were a lot of discussions of whether or not uh, Clayton Keller would have been a top ten pick in this draft, but I think um, Matt and myself, uh, particularly along with many other in the hockey world, believe that Clayton Keller is without a doubt top ten and in our, our minds top five. Um, top five prospect in this draft. Um, what he brings to the game is just is an unbelievably dynamic element. Um, it, you'll end up throwing around names like your Patrick Kane's, your Marners, and well, I mean, he may not be on that level. He <laughs> truly brings that kind of element, that game breaking element, um, and that just started it all off. The ball rolled directly downhill from from there, and then went off a jump and soared high because Chikrin was an unbelievable steal. Yeah. Uh, Campine was a fantastic pick. Uh, and then trading for D'Angelo, that kind of caught, I think, everybody off guard because D'Angelo was regarded as one of not the best prospect in the Tampa Bay system. So that was fantastic. Um, I'll let Matt take his next his next team. Uh, well, I, I had a couple teams I thought had a really fantastic draft. Um, the first one here, they did not even have a first-round pick, but they walked around with two players that are arguably first-round talents, and this is the Chicago Blackhawks. I mean, That's good the reason choice, they're yeah. so good is because teams let guys like Alex Dabrinka drop year after year, and they're there to pick him up. I mean, last time you saw an undersized guy who racked up points in the OHL go to Chicago in the second round was Brandon Saad. Um, so, and I know, I know Chris raved about Lucas Carlson. He's been talking about him for a long time, and they picked Carlson up in the third round, I believe. Um, but he was a fantastic pick as well. Um, and outside of them, the other team that I thought had a really fantastic draft was Calgary. Uh, they had five yeah, guys in my personal top 60, um, so I was really impressed with what they did. Yeah, those are good choices. I, I'd say uh, Arizona. I, 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 I was high on Clayton Keller as well, uh, like you guys were, um, so I thought they were good. And I was hoping the Bruins would get a chicken, but I'm okay with who the Bruins ended up getting, but... 
Uh, Chickering seems to be a good talent too. So they're, they're, Arizona's going to be scary in a couple of years. Um, Absolutely. And you're, you're right. Um, McAvoy to Boston is, is a fantastic pick. Yes. It's, it's, he, he also brings a lot of similar elements that Chickering yep. does bring. Um, maybe to a different degree, but it, it is it is a fantastic pick still. Uh, another winner for me would be Edmonton. Obviously, <laughs> they lost the draft lottery this year, but they still right. somehow managed to win the draft lottery, and we are <laughs> just a fellow in the lab. Yep. Uh, the one name I, along with Lucas Carlson heading into this draft, the one name I, I kept trying to rave about was Tyler Benson, former number one pick into the WHL. Um, unbelievable talent. Smart player, very, very smart great leadership qualities and ended up falling to the second round, which I knew there was a strong chance he probably would. Um, had a lot of injury problems this year, um, but similar to a guy like Matthew Barzell last year, Barzell, of course, was a first-rounder, but similar right. to that uh, in the sense that injuries kind of derailed the draft stock and derailed their draft-eligible season, but without a doubt, a top round, a first-round talent in this draft, so Edmonton definitely did well there. Um, they're Truly are improving their their drafting the last two years have been have been great as opposed to the years prior to that where it's been absolute absolute duds after the first round for Edmonton. Yeah, uh, Edmonton definitely was a winner there too. Uh, Steve, do you have any uh, winners that weren't said before? Or? Well, there 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 are um, like all these teams that are being mentioned are they're on my radar too. Um, the the Flames. Um, Getting Matt Kachuk, they wanted to tra- uh, trade up the draft tire, I heard. They were unable to, and they didn't have to because the guy they wanted was right there. Um, and, and I hear the experts saying they, they need a guy who can be a solid complement to Johnny Hockey and Sean Monahan, and they think they found that guy, Matt Kachuk. And, and yeah. Brian Burke described uh, Matt Kachuk as a pain in the you-know-what, and we need more pains in the you-know-what. <laughs> so, um, and and yeah. a guy who can also score goals got – you know, play with Mitch Marner and Christian Dvorak. I got a ton of skill there. What I also like is they used their strengths to improve on what they needed. They had three picks in the second round. They trade one of them to St. Louis, and they get Brian Elliott, a guy whose cap hit is $2.5 million heading into the upcoming season, after which he's a UFA. So this year is a great opportunity to see what this guy can bring and what you have in Brian Elliott. And if, and this is something I didn't know. Um Dating back to the start of the 2011-2012 season, the only guy with a better save percentage than Brian Elliott is Corey Schneider. So to get a guy like that with a cabinet of $2.5 million, as opposed to a guy like Bishop or Fleury by a trade, is an absolute steal for Calgary. Yeah, Um, and for a second rounder, too. Yeah, Sabres did the same thing. They get a solid first-round selection in Alex Nylander, which in my opinion was probably the most captain-obvious pick outside of the top two. And... They got what they needed in Dmitry Kulikov in a trade with Florida, which, honestly, I like what Florida's done. I don't get that trade from their standpoint at all, but their loss is Buffalo's game. And finally, I loved what Winnipeg did, selecting Patrick Laney second overall. That's obvious. But they traded picks with Philly, and they took Logan Stanley 18th overall. Everyone knows what Laney can do, but... Does anyone know really what Logan Stanley is capable of? Because when I hear he's six foot seven, can demolish you physically, and he has a big shot, I cringe at the thought of the Jets having Dustin Bufflin and Tyler Myers, and now Logan Stanley hitting everything that moves. A major A plus for the Jets in this draft. Yeah, uh, those are good uh, picks for those teams. I feel like there aren't really too many losers in this draft, although we'll get to that in a second, but. Um, I, I want to just 
disagree on what, what Steve said. That's fantastic, actually. The, the, I, love, I absolutely love the Brian Elliott trade uh, for Calgary. It's it's exactly what they needed, and they didn't need to pay a premium for it. The names names like Bishop are being thrown around there, and the price it would have costed to acquire that kind of a that caliber of goaltender is yeah, that name of goaltender is yeah. It's it's huge. It's huge, and honestly, it's not worth it because Elliot, literally the perfect so the perfect goaltender for for Calgary right now. Uh, he's been a perennially underrated goaltender his entire career, and the mindset he's taking going into Calgary is is fantastic. He is the first interview after after the trade was you know what ah, I'm ready for this. I have been ready for this my entire career. Somehow goalies continually are brought in to whatever team he's on, and and usurp him as a starting goaltender because for some reason no one puts their trust in him. But like you said. All he's done is go out there and, and prove that he's a legitimate starting goaltender. So I think he's going to love this opportunity. And a goalie like that, an underrated goalie like that, who has motivation to prove himself, is a scary thing as well. So Calgary will be a dangerous team next year, very dangerous. Yeah, and, and just looking back to a previous goalie for the St. Louis Blues and Cujo, who, um, you know, different circumstances, but gets traded to, to Edmonton there or um, signed uh, by Edmonton, uh, call it what you will. Um but he goes to Edmonton, and he put that team on his back a lot of the years and led him on some deep playoff runs. So, um, yeah, I, I definitely think Brian Elliott, especially with the playoff he had, he's more than capable of carrying the load. Yeah, the thing you have to think about is that, like, they got him just for a second rounder. I thought he would go for more than that. Um, but I think I think they also got – I think they also got a conditional pick, if I'm not mistaken, or uh, a pick in next on. year's draft as well. You might be right. Let me just – Double check. No, oh yeah, it's a conditional third round pick, but I don't know what yeah. that condition is. And that's yeah, in twenty eighteen. Yeah. So but like still, like I feel like you could have gotten a player out of that if you were the blues, but um I, I don't know. It's it's kind of like an interesting move because I feel like Elliot's worth more than just a second round pick. That second round um, pick, by the way, turned out to be Logan Kairou from the OHL Sarnia Sting. Okay. Yeah, I heard like a statistic that like half of the picks in the second round were all trades, um, <laughs> uh, which is kind of funny. Um, so, topic of, of uh, yeah, of, uh, sorry, no, it's fine. Uh, Brian Elliott, there. If I could just elaborate on that for a second, um, I yep. do think that's a really good trade um, for Calgary this year. But I mean, I, I don't have Brian Elliott's. Uh, bio in front of me, but if I'm right, he's got to be 33, 34 years old, and um, I mean, Calgary's going to the cup this year, you know, I'm, uh, I think it's a good trade for this year, but, you know, beyond there, are they going to lock him up long-term to to when Brian Elliott's going to be 37, 38 years old? Um, he's 31. He's 31, yeah. He's 31, okay. But I, I'm still concerned about, um, is Brian Elliott going to be in that right age range when they are ready to compete to help them win? Well, well see, here's think, the thing. They got yeah. they got a couple of goalies in their system. Yoni Ortio, who who they think is their goalie of the future until further notice. They also have John Gillies. Mason McDonald, I believe, is still in the picture. And they also drafted Tyler Parsons in the second-round goalie of the London Knights. And uh, he, he, he really put his skills on the display in the Memorial but Cup. That, so they're, they're hoping that maybe one of those uh, four individuals I just mentioned could be their long-term guy. But... Uh, that is a valid Brian concern, Elliott though. Could turn out to be that guy, but you're yeah. right. His, his age is a concern long term. That is, yeah, that is a valid concern. But at the moment, you know, you have Giordano, Hamil- Dougie Hamilton, Dennis Wyman, Brody, which is like a pretty good defenseman crew, and you also have Goudreau, Monahan, Sam Bennett, and now Ke- uh, Matt Kachuk. So 
They also um, added uh, a Yoki Paka in that trade of, yeah. with involving Chris Russell from Dallas. So they'll be uh, they'll they're, they're I think they're contenders this year, but uh, they may not. They'll probably won't win the cup, but they'll probably be in the playoffs at least mm-hmm. from my prediction uh, perception. Um, they'll be a playoff team. They'll be in the mix for yeah, sure. Yeah. I think they'll be better than they were last year. Uh, so then our next question is, of the first-rounders, who do you think will be the best pro in the next five years, ten years? I said of the first-rounders, I guess it could be any of these guys, because, you know, it could be like a Jamie Benn type situation, but, um, yeah, so, uh, of, of the people, of these, of this class, who do you think will be the best pro in the next five years, or ten years? Um, um I'll start this off, uh, I guess. Yeah. Um, I think the obvious choices here are Matthews and Line A. Yeah. Um, and Paulie Harvey walking into a great situation, but um, I'll go beyond them and talk to some other players. Sure. Um, because, you know, we, we've talked about these guys at length for yeah. months now. That's fair. Um, again, I want to bring up Clayton Keller. I think he's walking into a fantastic situation. I mean, this guy's going to walk into the league and probably be in a line with guys like Dylan Strom and Anthony Duclair and Max Domi. Um, so that's one guy who I think in the next five years could really make an impact in the league. Um, and another guy, maybe a little bit um, outside of that top 10 range, I think Kiefer Bellows has a chance to be a yeah. pretty good player in the short term. Um, he's got an NHL ready size. He's got a fantastic shot. And I, I don't know how you guys thought it with this, but I thought when they drafted him, you know, they're taking a player that is a Kyle Pozo clone. And obviously they're letting Pozo walk. And I, I think the Islanders have a lot of good prospects in their system. Uh, Michael Del Cole, Josh Osang, um, Anthony Beauvillier. And then Matt Barzal at center. So he has some competition up front, but I just think going forward, he has that element that the Islanders are really going to want on their team, and he's ready to make an impact as soon as, maybe not next year, two years from now, but in the short term anyways. Yeah, I would agree with that on Bellows. I was uh, I was trying to, uh, I knew the Bruins were probably going to pick a demon, but I figured if they were going to pick a forward, I wanted them to pick Bellows. Um, I think he's going to be a good guy. Um, are a good player in a couple of years. Um, anyone else? Either I'll, one um, I'll once again say we need to, I mean, try to avoid talking about the top three as much as possible because, yeah. well, well that's fair. The top three. Top four, yeah. Um, because uh, it's, it's again, like you said, we, we really we really know what they can bring and, and yeah. I'm sure everyone's excited and we'll watch them play next year and they'll probably all make an impact next year. But looking outside of that group, I've got three different guys I'm looking at that I think could be truly impactful players for, for their career out of this draft. Uh, I'm looking at Logan Brown, Tyson Jost, and German Rupsov. Um, Rupsov, I guess, has been labeled the anti-Russian of this draft. He he plays almost a Canadian style where it's just a hard-nosed game. He, he's excellent, one of the best two-way players in this draft, uh, excellent defensive forwards, but he's got boatloads of skill, boatloads of talent. Uh, quick hands and and a nose to the net. He knows what he's doing on the ice in all three zones, and and it's uh, I'm excited to watch him play in the NHL. Um, now Tyson Jost, I, I say he has a chance to be one of the best pros out of this draft, mostly for what everyone is labeling his leadership skills. Now it's next to impossible for us uh, from where we are to to see if he's a good leader. All we see is that he's been captain of many teams internationally and club teams. Um, that's the best indication we can have of that. But if everyone is saying it, there's got to be something there. So um, if that's the route he's going, then leadership can 
bump you up a bunch of notches when talking about being a, an effective pro. Um, then jumping a Logan Brown. I've had the opportunity to watch Logan Brown play a couple times this year uh, and talking to some locals uh, from Windsor. I, I've asked him, I've said that he looks like a guy who, um, now I watched most of the game, most games from him beginning of the season. He looks like a guy who at any moment in time could take control of the game, absolutely dummy and bully other players in the ice, uh, both skill-wise and with his physicality, obviously standing at six foot five, six foot six. Um, and they said, yeah, but it's the consistency problem that people are are looking at with, with Logan Brown. Um, now I did hear throughout the season, he, he improved that vastly. And he saw it on, on the scoreboard, on the score sheets too. His point totals took off um, from around the middle part of the season towards the end. So I'm, I, from the sounds of it, he learned how to take advantage um, using both his skill and his size. And so he, he, he could be a very, very dangerous player coming out of this draft um, and, and into the NHL the next few years. His, his vision is fantastic. Uh, he can he can thread passes through the legs of three players at once on to the stick of his own teammates. So he's, he's, he's a dangerous player that I'll be looking forward to watching. Um, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. Oh, yeah, Steve. That's, if you want to go, that's 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 pretty fair. And and going back to Tyson Yost, I, I think he could be a, a steal. Like I didn't hear about this guy my entire life until about a week ago. Probably because he, uh, the fact he was playing a level below the OHL, the QMJHL, the Q um, BACCHL, BCHL is was where he played the Penticton Bees. And not only did he put up good numbers with the Penticton Bees, he dominated. And then he goes to the under-18s, racks up 15 points in just seven games, and I heard somewhere he broke a record held by Connor McDavid. And I love the emotional reaction from his grandpa when he got drafted. That was, oh, that, was cool. that was absolutely priceless. So if Joe ends up being the guy everyone says he's going to be, Colorado might be taking calls on one of their other centers, a list that includes the likes of Matt Duchesne and Nathan McKinnon. So um, it'll be interesting to see how this guy develops and, and how – how uh, they, the Avalanche look in the center position moving forward as well. Because if, because uh, when I hear Tyson Yost and Ryan O'Reilly in the same sentence, um, Colorado might have one heck of a player in the top ten. Yeah, that's great. And just further on to Jost, it's too. Sorry. No worries, no worries. If I may add one more player too, um, I believe in the long term Mike McLeod may turn out to be one of the better players of this draft. I know Chris loves to hear that being a Devils fan, um, but me and Chris Steve both watched a lot of McLeod like this year, and we both raved about how fast he was, um, the playmaking ability, his reach, um, the way he went about playing the game, and beyond that, I know before the draft, I did a little bit more digging, and I found a couple studies that um, showed Mike McLeod's ability to enter and exit zones, which is one of the better um stats to show who's a reliable defensive player especially in junior and Michael Cloud jumped off the page above everybody else I mean he was above guys like Dubois um, and anybody else in the CHL in the draft so uh, that's one guy that I would look for um, from a 200 foot type of game to be one of the better players going forward yeah uh, I know Steve uh, doesn't like that pick but uh... Uh, yeah I'll talk about Mike McLeod um later in the show he's he's got the potential to be good i'll say that but there are other parts of his game that really if i'm a devil's fan it should be really keeping my eye on but i'll, I'll get back to that later but he's okay. definitely got the Fair skills enough. to be successful i'll say that um, um 
Yeah, I'd I'd also like to add, I think, like, Jake Bean, all those defensemen that went in the teens, Jake Bean, Charlie McAvoy, uh, Chikrin, Fabro, Logan Stanley. If I'm Carolina, I'm really stoked for that. Yeah, uh, Logan Stanley, Dante Fabro, um, I think all those D-men are going to be good uh, in a couple years, too. Obviously, I think defensemen uh, develop a lot longer than forwards do but so I think in like maybe like the next eight years but um we'll see them actually take place but I think those guys you have to you know take a look at too um all right so now we'll go to um which team lost the draft um yeah I don't know who to go to but uh, I think uh since Matt took the second question let's go to with Chris for the third I'll, um, I'm going to try to keep my biases out of this, uh, yeah. being a Bulls fan, but um, I truly do believe the Rangers lost this draft, <laughs> uh, or could be considered a team, one of the teams that lost this draft. I guess um, technically they it, got, They didn't really draft, but yeah, I guess technically exactly, they yeah, can. They, they, they put themselves in, in a scenario in yeah, the last yeah. few years where they're trading all of all of their assets, so they're liquidating all right. of their assets, um, and nothing's, nothing's come of it yet. They've had no, a couple of decent runs. But nothing's come of it. And so um, they really only got out of this draft, out of their few picks, um, one player who has the potential in my mind to be an impact player, and, and that's Sean Day, former uh, former player who was granted exceptional status into the OHLA Hockey Canada. Um, and as much as as I think Day has every every last tool in the shed, I, I don't know if there is a toolbox there um, for him. And I... I I'm concerned. I personally would not have gone after a day uh, in this draft unless it was the sixth, seventh round, um, just because of it's it's a concern. It's it's a truly strong concern uh, that he will never be able to put it all together and and make it count and make it work in the NHL. Um, which is why then, besides that, that hit or miss prospect, I don't think the Rangers have anybody from this draft that will end up playing the um, significant role in the NHL. Right. Interesting. Well, I mean, I, yeah. And it, when you look at like a team like Chicago, and they didn't have too many teams, too many picks. They, I don't think they had any picks in the first round, and they uh, managed to get Alex DeBrincat later. I think, and then compared to like the Rangers, who didn't really do much um, trying to get into this draft. So, yeah, I guess the Rangers are a good pick for this. Um, let's say uh, Matt. I guess we can go to Matt. Um, I really didn't like Detroit's draft, for one. Um, I understand they could have grabbed Chikrin and that they used that um, Dasu contract um, in a trade to move down, which did help them. But, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't, I was not very high on Chalowski going in. Um, Giovanni Smith in the second round, I thought was a bit of a reach. Um, He really doesn't look like a guy who has um, a lot of skill moving forward. Um, and beyond there, I mean, I, I, I just didn't like the picks. Um, I mean, Boston, I didn't think had a great draft either. Um, sorry, Brett. I'm sorry. Um, uh, I was not a fan of the McAvoy pick or the Frederick pick. Um, I thought they could have had Chikrin, and I thought there were a lot more better options than Frederick later in the draft there. So those are the two teams that yeah. jumped out at the Frederick one, I'm a bit so-so on, but I do like the McAvoy pick, but it's okay. It's, you're entitled to your opinion. Um, I don't know. Steve, do you want to go? or? 
Uh, unfortunately, I'm going to go uh, a little bit off on the Devils here because, <laughs> um, like, Mike McLeod and, Nate, and Nathan Bastion, the good picks on Miss Saga, but um, Mike McLeod's character has always stuck out with me in the worst of ways. Like, um, before that, he was taking the OHL draft. He said he didn't want to play outside the GTA. Um, the six sevens decide to select Travis Barron, and McLeod falls to fourth uh, right into Miss Saga's lap. Then he gets traded to the Flint Firebirds, and then he's not even there for a month, and then he gets traded back for almost a bigger price than what it took for Flint uh, to get him. So that, that that really sticks out for me. Like, he's got all the tools, like um, Chris alluded to. He's got all the tools to succeed in the NHL, but if that character side of him shows up in a bad way, that could be bad news for the New Jersey Devils. Uh, what I also was was a bit disappointed in is that like they have a few talented young bucks up front that will impress the Tatum of Paul Mary and Camilleri look solid this year, but defense is a must. I mean, getting offense from your defense is important. Getting somebody who can shut you down and intimidate physically is huge. When you look at Adam Larson's potential on draft day and you look at him today, I think they needed to add defensemen as opposed to adding up front. They got two centers, two right wingers, a left winger and a left wing right wing mix. But if you look at the defensemen they could have taken in the first round that were still available, it's glaring who they missed out on. Guys like Jacob Chikrin, Jake Bean, Logan Stanley, Dante Fabro, Charlie McAvoy, Lucas Johansson, who went to the Capitals, Brian Johansson's brother, just to name a few. All notes that Mike McLeod, although he's talented, you're hoping that he's, he's going to be the player that you want him to be. And if he's not, then you go back and look at all the players taken ahead of him. It's just like, man, wouldn't it be something if we would have drafted player A or player B or player C or player D? Um, now, um, the New Jersey Devils weren't the only losers of the draft for me. The, the Vancouver Canucks were losers. I I don't think Ewell Levy should have been drafted in the top five. I see him being a later first-round pick than a top 10 pick. I, I don't really see that working out for them. And then after their second round selection, they didn't really take anyone until uh, like the, I think it was like the, I can't remember if it was the third, the fourth or the fifth round, but they missed out on a lot of rounds. So they didn't, they didn't really have a slam dunk draft or even an average draft. So Vancouver's up there for me. Uh, Chris, do you want to talk about the devils, uh, his devils I, critique? Or I, I feel like I, I should uh, jump in here. Um, yeah. Yes, I, I want to first actually then address that. I, I 100% agree with the Vancouver selection as a loser in the draft as okay. well. Um, I like Yo Levy. Um, I'm from London. I've had a lot of opportunities to see him. I, I like him. He's got a fantastic first pass. Um, but I don't think he was the best pick for Vancouver right. that high. I um, think uh, Vancouver like picked him because the first four were already taken. Um, but and yeah. Sergachev was was available at that point. Who yeah, went to Montreal? True. True. Absolutely, and I I think Sergachev, in my opinion, is the best defenseman out of this draft. Um, I I love Sergachev's game. He brings absolutely everything. Um, and then other than, other than Yolevi, that's the thing. I I only really saw. I like Cole Candela. Uh, they got Vancouver got him later in the draft uh, out of Hamilton. I, I like Cole Candela. I like his game. It's developed a lot this year. Um, but other than that, I don't think they had a very strong draft. Now, I'll move on to New Jersey. Um, I want to get this out of the way first, at least. I, I yeah, agree sorry. that I don't think they had as strong a draft as I was hoping for coming in. They had a lot of selections in this draft, um, and I, this, is, this was really the first draft that the new scouting 
staff had an entire year to prepare for. Uh, last year's draft, them coming in, I think they had about a month to prepare. Uh, and they did very well. I loved last year's draft this year. Not so much. Um, I'm a fan of the Michael McLeod pick. Um, I, I, we'll see how the character issues progress um, or the supposed character issues. But in terms of his on-ice skills, um, I, I love it. I think he makes the game look simplified. Um, it's it's it, everything he does. It just looks like it comes easy to him. Um, so I love. I'm, I'm excited to see how he develops, um, and I'm excited. I'm, I'm very happy with the fact that if. The Devils identified him as a player they really wanted. Um, they acquired, I guess, a third-round pick, or if you will, Bo Bennett, for trading down one pick with Ottawa. Um, I like that they identified him as a player that they really wanted, so they were comfortable enough trading down and making that decision. The rest of the draft, I was not a fan of, of Nathan Bastian um, heading into the draft, so that pick as our as our second-round pick, um, not, not too thrilled with, but my... I'm open to my opinion being swayed, um, so I'm going to look a lot more into Bastion than I did prior to the draft. Um, it, first impressions, I didn't like him going into it. Uh, he looked like a guy who, while there is something to be said for knowing where to be at the right time on the ice, um, I did not see him create a whole lot of offense on his own this year. Um, he was playing on the line, obviously, with Nylander and McLeod, and everything I saw from Bastion was just created 100% by Nylander or McLeod. Um, I, again, I'm, I'm, I'm open to hopefully him developing much further, much better, um, and I'm open to him changing my mind, but as of right now, I'm not a fan of that second-round pick. I like the Joey Anderson pick in the third round. He played with Keller this year. Uh, he's got a great shot. I, I'm, I'm absolutely comfortable with that pick. I've heard awful things about Mikhail Maltsev. I'll be honest, I have not seen him play. Um Confused as to why they drafted a goaltender. Um, I like both Woods in the system, Blackwood and Wedgwood. Um, and then, of course, Corey Schneider, who, as I'll address now, I guess, um, I don't see any need for, for goalies to be drafted by the Devils anywhere in the next <laughs> few years. Yeah. Uh, because point, yeah. Corey Schneider's a guy who has barely... People people will talk about his age. I think he's 29, uh, going on 30 this year. Um, but he has very, very low miles on his body. Uh, he didn't become a starter in the league, a uh, full-time starter, until 27, 28 years old. So he's got low miles. I believe he'll be elite well into his 30s. Um, so I don't see the reason to draft a uh, goalie. I like the Jesper Brad pick, and I know Matt will as well in the sixth he's, round. He's uh, 30 I, years old, by the way. There we go. Perfect. Um, I I like the Jesper Brad pick in the sixth round. Um, but other than that, I what I'll say about the Devils draft is there were a lot of players. I agree with you 100%, Steve. Um, everyone was raving the last few years about how the Devils have a bunch of young defensemen coming in, and, and while they do, and while they did, um, and while I do believe that we'll still continue to see Larson and Zerosen's games develop uh, on top of uh, big shutdown D, Steve Santini coming through this year, should make the team this year. Um, other than that, especially on the left side, there is there is not a, there's, there's not a whole lot going on there, um, and there were a lot of potential top four defensemen um, coming out of this draft that the Devils passed on, not even just in the first round. Um, guys like Cam Deneen in the second round and, and on. Um, these, these guys, um, all a lot of potential, and, and the Devils passed on them. While I'm not upset, they, they chose to strictly do select forwards, mostly forwards with this draft. Um, the, the offense needs a re- retool, revamp. I, I would have liked to see some high-potential defenseman uh, be picked, especially with how far back Lucas Carlson was picked. I was I was waiting and waiting and hoping uh, the Devils would take him. Um, they really don't have a guy who can lead the offense from the back end right now. 
Severson is hopefully still going to develop into that player, but we'll see. Uh, we'll see how that goes. We'll see how his development progresses. But other than that, even the forwards they took, uh, like I said with Bastion, not a whole lot of these guys, I believe, are primary producers of their own offense. I don't think a lot of these guys can create their own offense. Um, a lot of them are secondary pieces, which every team used to have, but there were a lot of potential players um, that the Devils passed on in this draft. It's not a weak draft in my mind, but it's not as strong as it could have been. It is cool though that uh, Bastion and McLeod are on this. We're on the same team, so they can have like. I think that's a, probably why they they kind of got him. Like maybe yeah. just like to to help him through the transition. You know, at that's least possible, you have, too, have yeah. someone that you know. Right, but, but yeah, at the same time, I mean, it you know it may it may lead to the same kind of thing where uh, one is reliant on another. Yeah, thankfully but, this is all just hypotheticals. So yeah, exactly, yeah. and we and like we should we should preface this that. We don't know what's going to happen. We could, yeah, like, this is you just know, all opinion. Yeah, this is all opinion. Like, uh, the players that we think are going to bust are not actually going to bust. Um, and the players we think are going to do well there's, are not actually going to There's gonna all bust. this hate, apparently, about better Carlson and all this critique in the Ottawa media yeah. when he got drafted way back when, 15th yeah. overall. Yeah. And prob- probably the skill of the draft right now. So. And I think that was the same with Carey Price because they like they drafted him too high, but uh, yeah, something like that. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I guess on that we can talk about who's going to bust and who are your sleepers. Um, if you have any, I think you guys were talking about Lucas Carlson. Um, that that would count as a sleeper. Um, I don't know. Do you have anyone else? I spoke for a bit, so I'll let Matt take this one. Okay. Uh, well, right off the bat, Vitaly Abramov uh, is one guy. Um, I had him 12th overall on my draft board, so to see him drop to the third round was, you know, shocking. I mean, um, every pick the Leafs had um, from 31 where they took Igor Korshkov on, I was saying, okay, they got to be taking Abramov here. And, oh, they didn't take him. All right, this pick has yep. got to be Abramov. And, you know, it shocked me, like, more each time that they were going with other guys other than Abramov just because of how highly I thought of him. Um, so that's one guy. Um, with him, like, I just think, unbelievable. He's going to the Blue Jackets, by the way. So, <laughs> I don't know if he said that, but yeah. No, no, yeah, I didn't. But, no, you're right. And, uh, I just think, Chris has mentioned, like, um, he wanted primary producers of their own offense in New Jersey. Um, and he didn't get very much of that. And, like, Abramov is one of these guys who can create it for himself, create it for his teammates. Um, he's a very high-energy player. He skates well. Great stick handler, so he's got all the tools in the toolbox. Um, the other guy uh, that was a real sleeper for me was uh, Jesper Bratt. Um, I know Chris brought him up, and he said I liked him. Uh, and I was really high on Bratt ever since the first um, time somebody told me about him. Um, I think he's going to turn out to be a really nice player. Um, has a lot of the same traits. He's a quick player. Um, real nice stick handling ability. And overall, I think Bratt's going to turn out to be a nice little offensive piece in the double system. Um, three other guys who I thought were sleepers on later on, but really obvious names, Cam Deneen, Will Bitten, Victor Mete. Um, I think all three of those guys um, are guys that can make a positive impact offensively going forward. Um, and I think they've been pretty fairly talked about players um, throughout the draft year, so I don't need to dive into too much about what makes them special. Yeah, okay. yeah those are good choices. Um, I don't know, Chris, do you have any more um, um, I've got a couple guys I'm looking at. Um, a few defensemen. Uh, obviously, there's uh, Lucas Carlson. I just think the the dynamic offense, and it's it's strange namesake, I guess, 
almost namesake. Um, the game he plays is very similar to Eric Carlson. He's very confident in his game and his skills. He's not afraid at however young he is, uh, this this age, to to go through and in, in, in a men's league, uh, put his skills on display and, and try to dance through players. And it's, it's effective a lot of the times um, because he does it in the right scenarios. He picks and chooses when he wants to 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 rush the puck, and it's 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 fun to watch. Um, similar to Eric Carlson, but. A couple of the guys I'm looking at are Adam Fox. Um, he was drafted third round to Calgary. Um, he's another high-end producer of offense from the back end. And and, and just with his game, I, I I love how confident he is once again. He's, he's not afraid to use his body. Um, he, he picks his shots, and his shots are accurate, um, very, very accurate. He's patient with the puck. Uh, it's very, very fun to watch him. guy like Philip Pronek, um, he's been a leader on D for his Czech national teams or club teams his entire career. Um, and then Ryan Lindgren, another guy from uh, the U.S. development team. Uh, that's one guy where I think a lot of his value has come out of his character. Once again, it's difficult for us to, I guess, judge a player on his character when we really don't know. We haven't talked to these players. We can't uh, gauge that kind of... We, we don't see them in the dressing room. We, don't, we, we have no idea from that sense, from that side of things, but... Um, once again, a guy who's been a captain on many of his teams um, and who coaches have trusted with big minutes, um, defensively reliable uh, player. He's He's got a great first pass. And then finally, I'm looking at a guy, uh, Dmitry Sokolov uh, of Sudbury. Now, uh, Sudbury is, is, was a bit of a tire fire this year in the OHL, but he still managed to pop 30 goals this year. Unbelievable set of hands. He's a guy who, on the opposite end of it, there have been concerns about his character and, and, and his energy level and compete level and whether he truly cares about each game um and skill wise though i think if, if if you can find a coach uh the right coach for him in the nhl he was strapped his seventh round in minnesota uh, if you can find the right coach for him in the nhl to smarten him up and make sure that he stays dedicated uh to the game each and every game i think his skills are undeniable and if if so then that him as a seventh round pick is is unbelievable yeah, those are all good choices. I guess we'll see in a couple of years if they all if they turned out well or not. Um, and I guess in that same token, do you guys have anyone who you think are going to bust? I guess we kind of already talked about that before when we talked about teams that lost the draft. But um, well, uh, but before before we talk oh, yeah. about the, the bust, yeah, I, I alluded to yeah, sure, you, Levy, and, and stuff like that, um, and, and Mike McLeod. But we we've already got through those. Uh, one of the interesting picks is the Philadelphia Flyers taking Carter Hart, a goalie who just won CHL Goalie of the Year, won the WHL Goalie of the Year. Um, just uh, taking a look at um, what I wrote down for this guy as, um, let's see, a second-round pick, 48th overall, um, plays for the Everett, Everett Silvertips w, uh, WHL, posted 35 wins, 2.14 goals against average in 63 games, uh, tied for second with six shutouts and finished second in minutes played with uh, 3,693. And just so everyone knows, the Flyers' track record of drafting goaltenders and getting them to play in a Flyers uniform has not gone well uh, since Roman Czechmanic played for them. Um, I think only three to four goalies, I think right now, since uh, they took Czechmanic, have been drafted by the franchise and have played with the Flyers. Uh, they drafted Anthony Stolarts a few years back, formerly of the London Knights, but yet to see time at the big club in a regular season game. So if you're a Broad Street bully, maybe Carter Hart can snap the curse and uh, be successful uh, with them. Uh, Carolina also getting Julian Gauthier, the QMJHL, 
who plays on the opposite wing of Jeff Skinner. I think he got 41 goals this year. Um, and they also, in the fifth round, an interesting pick, they elect to uh, draft a goalie named Jeremy Helvig, uh, who in Kingston was a solid complement to Lucas Perasini. Um, they also have Nedeljkovic waiting in the wings, and he'll probably get a crack at um, the number one spot first. But Helvig could be waiting for a while, but it, it, if he gets a chance to prove himself, I think he could be a stud. Um, Lucas Johansson, uh, drafted by the Capitals late in the first round, he could be a, st- a stud as well. And uh, Connor Bleakley going in round number five yeah, to St. Louis. I think that could be a potential steal as well. Yeah, uh, Connor Bleakley. Yeah, sorry, go on. Sorry, before I'm going to bust, just two more names quickly yeah, um, that I think should have gone a lot higher. Um, Matthew Phillips out of the Victoria Royals um, to the Calgary Flames, and David Quenville. Um, I think both those guys are guys that create their own offense again. Quenville from the back and Phillips up front, but I think the reason they went so low was because of their height. And Those are just two more names to watch them for because I think once those guys fill out, their skills are really going to help them translate to the next level and help them succeed. Okay, yeah, those are all good picks. I guess we'll wait. I was going to mention Connor Blakely too, but um, I feel like you guys are more knowledgeable than I am on this stuff. So, but uh, yeah, he was like drafted last year, um, and then he didn't sign, and I guess that's why he fell down. But like, apparently, he just like got a ton more muscle and just played a lot more better, a lot like was fo- more focused. So, um, I think he, he's a guy you should we should uh, look out for. And I a guess. potential stud slash dud in the fifth round, the Oilers took Dylan Wells yeah. from the Peterborough Peets. Like he, he, his GAA last year was over four, record below five hundred. Yeah, but he's big. He can be successful. Just hasn't been consistently good and hasn't really been getting the playing time. So if he gets more playing time yeah. and he really shows his stuff, he could be a steal for the Edmonton Oilers. Um, yeah, and also like the picks that Chicago Blackhawks had that we've. Mentioned before, yeah, Chad, Chris, yeah, again, size, it yeah. was, was a big decision. Those are guys you can look out for, too. Uh, and Chad, to, Chris. Uh, right, and, and touch on um, on the Carter Hart discussion. Um, yeah. I think the goalies in this draft, it was, it was very volatile. Um, I, I truly don't believe there was any outright best goaltender uh, available yeah. in this draft. A lot of good goaltenders, um, Carter Hart being one of them. He's, he's got quick hands. He's, he's, he moves very well. His footwork is fantastic. But a guy I want to touch on that I, I had pegged as one of the, one of my best available in this draft uh, for goalies was actually not even drafted. Um, Vladislav Sukichev uh, out of the Russian U18 team. Um, he, he's a smaller goalie, but to me, and I've touched on it before in, in our articles on, uh, on the BTI hockey website, uh, is that he reminds me of, I guess, a hybrid between Ilya Brizgalov and Jonathan Quick in the way he plays. Um, obviously not with the size, but his footwork is absolutely fantastic. His mobility is great. Lateral movement is 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 elite. Um, but for some reason, I guess no team no team liked him. Whether or not that has something to do with the scandal that went on, the drug scandal that went on with um, that U eighteen team. Uh, who knows? But uh, we we will see. We'll see if next year um, he gets drafted as second-year entry goaltender, uh, but he was, in my mind, he should have been drafted this year. Um, so we're kind of running low on time. We're at like 47 minutes left, but so I'll probably have to, we'll have to keep cut some of these questions out, but um, so I guess um, we did, I guess we'll just skip the bust for now, because I guess we kind of talked about who lost yeah. the draft. Um, and I guess Matthews or Line A, um, I mean, either one is good. 
Um, all right. How about besides the top four? Who do you think we'll see next season? Um, Kiefer Bellows and Julian Goche are two guys we might see. Um, I'll keep it short and say yeah. that the other guy that we could see there is Tyson Jost. That's just looking back on Colorado's draft history, where McKinnon played the year after he was drafted, Duchesne played the year after he was drafted, Ryan O'Reilly played the year after he was drafted. So I wouldn't be surprised to see Jost there, even though Jost has already talked about playing at the University of North Dakota. Okay. Um, I'll make this quick as well then. Um, I think one guy who absolutely is, is set and ready to play and who could step in because there is definitely a need there is Mikhail Sergachev. Um, I, I think I think based on this conversation so far, everyone likes Sergachev's game. Uh, I think he's ready. Another guy uh, would be Lucas Carlson, who I think is ready. Um, I think he would be ready, uh, but I don't. I doubt he plays next season. Um, Chicago will let him come along quite slowly. Uh, those are the two guys in my mind, and then Jacob Chikrin. Um, whether or not the inconsistencies that, that caused him to drop this far uh, force Arizona to to send him back, uh, we'll see. But I bet you he, he he could be one of those guys that come training camp, um, all the stories come out about how he's he's looking mature and looking looking ready to play and is dominated in, in training camp. Yeah, those are good picks. Um, I could see uh, Kachuk and Ulevi also playing for the Canucks or Flames, but. Um, yeah, I guess those are that. Uh, Steve, do you have any? I am. Guys? I don't think he'll play the entire season. I think you'll see him in spurts. Alex Nylander will see some playing time with the Sabres. I don't think you will see any of Jesse Pugliarvi and Edmonton next year. I think they're going to give him another year or two. Oh, interesting. Okay. Um, I guess we kind of talked about our teams a bit, um, but we can, uh, if we want to expand on them, um, although I guess in the next section we do have a spot for that um but like i'll I'll just quickly say the bruins i'm happy with mcavoy although i would have picked chikrin instead um and i also would have rather had debrincat instead of frederick but i'm not surprised that the bruins went with an off the board pick um like and a two-way two-way center at that because uh, I think that's their kind of player. I kind of like, I mean, in a way, I, I it is frustrating um, in that sense that it's like they didn't get the guys who are ranking. But I kind of like how the GM put faith in their own play, in their own system and not, like, look at the ratings in their, in their way um, and just, like, look at what they think is who's going to succeed because in the in a sense no one really knows who's going to be good or who's going to be bad um but um so I'm like I'm so so it was better than last year for the Bruins but um I think it could have been better uh Chris you talked about the Devils uh earlier in this episode um I don't know if Steve or uh, I'll, Matt I'll want to talk on, about I'll their team. Yeah, okay, sure. Um, and Matt, do you want to talk about? I mean, I think we know about Austin Matthews, but um, I don't know if you want to mention anything else that the Toronto did. Um, yeah. Um, I mean, I wasn't a big fan of what Toronto did, but like I, I understand some of it, um, and I understand that the Leafs are trying to. Um, work around the system and try to find an inefficiency in the market, um, which is which might be the reason why they're taking so many overage players. Um, I mean, if you want to look back at the Frederick Anderson trade, once upon a time, Frederick Anderson was a draft re-entry and drafted as a plus two in a draft. So those guys can turn out. And I mean, Jack Walker was a guy 
I, I like that pick. Um, yeah. It was a draft plus two. Um, and same with Adam Brooks, who I actually had in my top 60. Um, two real high skill, um, hopefully high reward players, um, but they're small guys at the same time. And I know a lot of people don't like that size factor. I'm kind of on the opposite there where, you know, I don't care how big a guy is. You know, I, I care if he's good at hockey. And, you know, some I, I feel like some people um, like picks because the guy is 6'5". And it's great if the guy is 6'5", but, you know, I want him to be able to play the next level and have the skill uh, to get there. So on that same note, I really didn't like some of these picks like Keaton Middleton. Um, you know, he's shown very little upside uh, in his OHL career so far. Um, Nicholas Matten was another guy who was a healthy scratch in the OHL playoffs this year. Um, so guys like that, I wasn't entirely impressed with the team taking, but um, one guy I'm interested in is Igor Korshkov. Um, I've seen very little of him. But from what I've read, uh, he's quick, he's big, um, he can score. Uh, his stick handling ability may not be up to par, but um, it's a guy that some people have said could play in the league this year, although the Leafs have already said he's going to go back to the K and develop a little more. Um, so I think that uh, that pretty well says my thoughts on the draft. Actually, Grunstrom, I like the Grunstrom pick too. I think he's going to be an okay player in the NHL someday. So I think that wraps up my thoughts on the Leafs for this draft. Okay, cool. Um, so we did talk about the Elliott trade. Um, we can uh, can mostly talk about Montreal's uh, trades with Lars Eller and Andrew. They got Andrew Shaw. As a Bruins fan, I'm kind of happy about that because I don't think Andrew Shaw is that great. Um, and we also have uh, Sens and uh, uh, Maple Leafs fans. So, um, so <laughs> we we have like three of the biggest uh, rivals to Montreal here. But um, yeah, I uh, I don't know. I I'm I think it was it's like uh, an interesting move. Sergeyev also it was a good idea. Um, I don't know if you guys have any thoughts on what Montreal did with those well, trades. Getting Andrew Shaw for two picks the move that looks good on paper. I mean, he knows what it takes to win one two Stanley Cups with Chicago. He can get under your skin. He's clutching the playoffs and he can score. The problem is they had a stud like that uh, who had a similar kind of profile, in my opinion, at the start of the season, named Dale Weiss, who they dealt to Chicago closer to the deadline. So my question is, what does Andrew Shaw possess that Dale Weiss didn't? It's yeah. honestly a 50-50 for me, and I'm not sure what to think of that. Um, drafting Sergachev again, Markov's hinging on retirement, like all this talk that they were going to trade P.K. Subban, yeah, you know, you need offense, but... Basically, your best defenseman is Alexei Yemlin if you trade Subban because, like I said, Markov's hinging towards retirement. He won't be there for much longer. And then you just get a new guy named Sergachev right there, and he's expected to be the next best thing. So I, I think they're wise not to trade P.K. Subban, even though he would get a great return. Nice. Um, Lars Eller getting traded, that didn't really surprise me all that much. They got two picks for him. But, um, again... When you get rid of a guy like Dale Weiss and you add a guy like Andrew Shaw, it, it just doesn't add up to me. Yeah, yeah I agree on that Shaw front. Um, I thought, like, Eller's better than Shaw, and I, I think a lot of the hockey world would agree with me there. And the team is essentially trading the same price to acquire Shaw as it gave up for Eller. So if you look at it, you know, basically trading off Lars Eller for Andrew Shaw, what I don't understand what Montreal's trying to do there. Um, and, and especially now that they're going to lock Andrew Shaw for five to seven years, 
you're just kind of going to have a real expensive third line center uh, yeah. or second line winger, even though we shouldn't touch a top six. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, yeah, I don't know if Andrew Shaw like is like a like in Chicago. I feel like they it increases stats um, in in that sense. So I don't know. We'll see how we can do when he's not, you know, when he's not relying on Chicago's um, defense. But, um, yeah, I guess we'll see. Um, It certainly makes it more interesting in terms of, in a rivalry perspective, but um, we'll see. Because he is an instigator. Um, But, um, so I think uh, a lot of these questions I have here, we can talk about, because they all have to do with the offseason, so we can talk about that in the next part, uh, but um, yeah, this is mostly a joke for my last question, because I, I think I'm the only American here, uh, so I was just, uh, I think this was the first year, uh, the first time the uh, most Americans were picked in the first round, so I was joking about how, uh, what medal will the 2022 U.S. Olympic hockey team get, um, I just wanted to... Uh, uh, rub that into your your guys' faces, but um, just an FYI, three fins were taken in the top five. So. Yeah, yeah, and uh, but like I don't know, I guess Canadians did well um, in the draft, but uh, you guys still have Connor McDavid and uh, Nathan McKinnon and Aaron Ekblad, so you guys are doing pretty well for that. But uh, America is coming, um, and Finland, so. Uh, um, I guess that concludes our draft because I think we'll just put the uh, all the Stamkos talk and the trades, the players that didn't get traded, um, in the next part. Um, so yeah, it was, one last thing. Sorry. Yeah, go ahead. Sure. Um, we'll we'll avoid the Stamkos talk, but I guess I'll I'll work around it. Well, we're not avoiding it. We're just we're moving it to the next um, section or the next part. But yeah, go on. Absolutely, um, but for in terms of this this weekend's draft, um, I know it was alluded to earlier that Detroit may not have had the strongest draft, but where I think they picked themselves up, and this is in the sense that um, if the cost for them to end up being a true player uh, and a front runner in getting Stamkos was trading back in this year's draft only four selections to dump the Datsu contract, I think that absolutely uh, is worth that price. Um, Getting rid of that seven point five million dollar cap hit is absolutely huge, and I'm I'm yeah. truly impressed that they were able to do it. Um, and in a way mm-hmm. where they still kept a first round pick, it was just a matter of trading back. I think that was an excellent decision. Um, and once again, I think if it makes some front runners uh, in in free agency for you know who, then I yeah. think it it one hundred percent worth it. Plus, if you look at the guys they already have in their system, like they don't really need another home run draft. They they need a home run in free agency. I think. Absolutely. So, so, so yeah, you're, you're you're right. I think that's probably why they made the trade. That if they they had an opportunity to get rid of Datsuk's contract, then by by all means get it done. And credit to Kenny Holland for for getting it done because he did a great job. Uh, so we're reaching the last minute. Anyone else have any more draft thoughts? Uh, just just a, a quick note uh, on a couple of Ottawa 67s. Travis Barron going to Colorado in the seventh round, and uh, the big Belarusian Stefan Falkovsky going to Calgary. Um, not sure if he's going to be a, an NHL player, but uh, if he is, uh, he won't be hard to miss because uh, he is very big and very strong and 
and he can hit as well. So two sixty sevens that uh, could impress uh, moving forward. Just to talk about my junior team too here. Um, I was a little shocked that Stephen Dillon, goalie for the Niagara Ice Dogs here, didn't get taken. I think that's a guy that teams might regret not taking because uh, he showed a lot of promise to Niagara over the past two years. And Detroit did a really nice job uh, bringing him to their prospect camp. I'll jump in on um, two later round picks. Uh, Jonathan Ang and Cliff Poo. Uh, Ang's out of Peterborough, Poo's out of London. Uh, both guys are very, very smooth skaters. Ang specifically is potentially one of the best skaters in this draft. Um, it's 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 so so easy his movement on the ice, uh, and that can that can massively help you when making the transition to the next level. Um, both guys, while they didn't, I guess, jump off the score sheet uh, production wise and point wise this year, both guys bring a lot of energy to the team. Uh, Cliff Poo was instrumental in the Knights Memorial Cup run, so both guys uh, are, are guys to keep an eye on moving forward. And also uh, Abramov uh, from the Gatineau Olympique, which is close enough to where I, I live, probably a, um, a bit of a drive down, but uh, clo- close enough uh, to the Ottawa area. Apparently he survived a meteor, meteor explosion in Russia a couple of years ago, so um, uh, Columbus uh, drafted a unique player, I must say. Alright, uh, so uh, so in the next part, we're going to be talking about all the stuff that we didn't uh, that all the stuff that happened in the hockey world uh, that didn't happen um, or that did happen, but uh, that uh, you know that doesn't involve the draft. Um, and but, what uh, could happen? And what could happen? And uh, yeah, Chris and Matt will be uh, following us along too. So uh, be excited for that. All right.